Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, our daf today, Masachet Gitin, daf Lamed Vav, page 36. Well, basically, this whole daf is going to deal with cruise ball, uh, which is a very interesting sort of halakhic topic. So Hillel, this is Hillel and Shemuel, um, and so he made the cruise ball. And we have a Mishnah here that teaches us a little bit more. It's a Mish- Mishnah from Shvius, which, again, is one of those that appears in Seder Zeraim, that there's no Talm- Babylonian Talmud on, there's no Talmud Bavli on. So we sort of get the commentary on it scattered throughout the Talmud Bavli, as opposed to the Yerushalmi that does have a section on it. So it reads as follows. Prusbal eno mishamet. Right? When we have a Prusbal, okay, he does not have to relinquish his loans, meaning he can collect them after Shemitah. This is one of the things that Hillel the elder, elder instituted. What he saw is that because of this principle with Shemitah, basically when Shemitah would happen, right, all loans basically had to be forgiven. And so what Hillel saw is that people didn't want to lend money because they were basically worried that they were never going to be paid back. Um, and so he saw that people were therefore you know, violating what was written in the Torah. And here he's uh, quoting a pasuk here from Devarim, chapter 15, verse 9, which says, which literally means take heed, lest there be an evil thought in your heart, right? So in other words, what it means is, is that people being worried that they won't get paid back as Shemitah approaches, they have a bad thought. They're not thinking or looking out for their fellow Jew, and they refuse to lend them. Ahmad Behit came Prusbal. So Hillel came and he made the Prusbal. Bizehu Gufo Shal Prusbal. This is the formula that's in the Prusbal. Musreni Lachan Poloni Dianim Shabakom Poloni. I submit before you, so and so, the judges in such and such a place, Shakolchov Shayeshli Eitzel Poloni, that every deed that's owed to me by so and so, Sheg Benu calls Mancher. It said that I can collect it whenever I wish. Bahadayanim Chotmin Lamata. And the judges signed below, O aging or witnesses. So the idea of the Prusbal is that essentially, right, when you write it, you don't relinquish your right to collect on the loans. And essentially what you're doing is, is you're giving the court, okay, the power to collect those loans for you. It's sort of like the loan now goes with the court. We do Prusbal today. In fact, uh, it was Shemitah recently. So people in Israel, you know, people everywhere filled this out. You had to do a Prusbal to make sure that if you did have any loans and sort of it's now it's become a thing. It's like everybody just kind of fills one out just so that you could say you have it and then people go ahead and collect it. Um, but the Gemara asked the key question here, which is, right? How is it possible, okay, that essentially something that's biblical, right? Part of Shemitah from a Deo from a biblical level is that the loans get canceled out, right? Right? Behitzkin, hello, delo, mashmita, and hello makes this decree not to cancel. In other words, they're an- answering the essential question how can the rabbis basically cancel a del rice law? So, a few Amorayim are going to try to answer this, right? Amar Abaye, Abaye is going to say, Bishvi, Bismanahu, when Hillel instituted this, right? The rabbi, he, right, the following late, then later, right? Uh, Rabbi Huda Hanasi, he did it. 
And so they quote a Brisa here, uh, quoting Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Um, and uh, where he basically, the point here is, is he says, uh, Ditanya and the Brisa taught Rabbi, Rabbi Yomer, Rabbi says, Bezedavar Hashemitah Shavut, quoting the Pasuk that says, that this is the relinquishment, right? That and this is the pasuk in Devar in chapter fifteen, verse two, that says, "Vezdevarishmitashemut kol balm matseyado asher yased bereihu lo yugo shereihu v'tachiv kikarashmitalasha." So that's the pasuk that basically says every creditor has to relinquish any loan that they have. So what does Rabbi say? There's two relinquishments. The word shmita appears there twice. Right. One is the relinquishment of land, and one is the relinquishment of money. Right. When you relinquish land, is also when you relinquish money. In other words, you have to be able to relinquish both of those. But when you cannot relinquish land, which was so in the case of Rabbi Huda Hanasi, because the Jews were in, it was. Yes, Rabbi Huna and Nasi lived in Eretz Yisrael, but it was after the time of the Korban. It was a time of, of uh, the, you know, when, when we no longer relinquish land because Jews didn't own land in that same way anymore. There was no Beit HaMikdash. So therefore, you don't have to relinquish the money. So the point here is it's not that Rabbi Huda and Nasi, according to Avaye, went against the Torah, but rather the circumstances changed. Shemitah could not be observed the way that it should have been. Okay, Abai goes on and says, So the rabbi still decreed that Shemitah should still cancel loans to remind us of this law. But then Hillel sees what? People are refusing to, you know, basically uh, to, to lend money. So what does he do? He goes ahead and he makes the, he makes the prusbol. So they have an even better question now in Abai, which is, Wait, but if your argument is, is that actually from a biblical standpoint, Shemitah doesn't take hold anymore and doesn't cancel loans, then the rabbis came to say you should make the loans canceled, and then Hill had to come to uncancel the rabbis? That doesn't make sense. So the Gemara answers, Amar Abai, shave the Sehu. Right? It was a situation where basically... We don't sit around and not do action. So this is a very famous phrase we see in the Gemara sometimes, Sheva Alta said, which sort of means like when we are worried that sort of Torah law is not going to be kept, we can't just sit around uh, and do nothing. Uh, and but the point is, is that the rabbis, don't, they didn't like actively say to violate the law, like they didn't say don't keep Shabbos, but it's more that it was like passively they weren't fulfilling it. Okay. So, so that that's the example here. Um, they, and then Rava comes; he has another answer for it. Uh, I'm not going to keep going through it. And his has to do with the property being ownerless. It's a little bit more complicated, but the whole thing about Prusbol is very, very interesting. And it's also interesting because it's really something that's still done today. So that is what I want to talk about. I mean, it's what the Gemara talks about, right? Um, if you look now on Amadbet. We have there a statement that there's this dilemma raised before the sages, right? Was it done? Did he institute this prusbol for his generation, meaning just then, 
or for all generations to come. So you're dating, you say, you know, we do this till today. And of course we do, right? We do because we already know the end of this Gemara. We know the end of the, the determination of the Halacha that in fact, we're going to continue doing the Prisbal throughout the generations. It, it's still, I think, a little bit different. And it's a kind of thing that, I don't know, you're Dana, did you ever sign a Prisbal in when you weren't in Israel? I've only ever been in Israel to sign a Prisbal. I I believe you sign it also, you sign it everywhere. I think you sign it everywhere. But the fact that the banks in Israel are part of the system, right? Meaning a bank in Israel requires a like a, a permission, right? And an authorization to be able to charge interest or to give interest. And like all of these things that are kind of not in accord with the baseline halacha and then Prusbal is part of that, right? Like the baseline halacha should be that the loan should go free, except for that a bank in Israel cannot function without Prusbal, right? Like it needs that because those even like it's an, I don't understand that a bank is a, a corporation. It's a little bit different than private loans, but still, right? Like there's the, the importance of it in Israeli society, I think is much different than keeping the tradition alive, right? Like there's a, there's a Im, the impact of it or the potential for not having a principle is tre, you know potentially tremendous. So the question is asked here, and then the Gemara says, like what would the difference be if he set it up only for his generation or for all generations? Because either way, and this of course is the key point, it's still in use, right? Like we know this. So even in the time of the Gemara, they knew that the principle was still in use, and then they're simply asking, what was Hillel's intent? So the Gemara explains, right, that if you're talking about, um, if you wanted to cancel Prisbol, let's say, right, so you say it's only for his generation, then we can cancel it, meaning then there's no authority upholding it from the time of Hillel. It's not his authority that's established it. However, if he said that, if he really was instituting it for all generations, then you would need a beitin, you would need a court that was greater in terms of number and wisdom than the previous court, namely Hillel's court, that set it up to begin with. Um, diligent Duff learners will remember this expression, this idea that you can only have you can only cancel a decree from one court if the next court to do the canceling is actually greater in stature and in in meaning in acumen and also in number. Um, I know it comes up in McGill. I think we've seen it actually more than once. And if we haven't, we still will. Tashma, the Amr Shmuel. Now, Shmuel has a suggestion. Lo katvinan prisbo, ella ibavedina de sura, ibavedina din harda'a. Shmuel says, we write the prisbo only in those courts of Surah or Naharda'a, because those were like the real, like the hefty Torah centers, right? And it wasn't something that was done in every little beat in every little court all over. So Shmuel's suggestion is like, that's the proof that he didn't mean it to be for the generations. Because if it was supposed to be decreed really for all generation, then, then, it would be in every little court. You wouldn't have to go to Surah or Naharda'a to be able to write a principle. The Gemara doesn't like that. Right? 
lafkule mamona avalokule alma lo. What happens? The Gemara says, maybe when Hillel set up that prisbol, he really did it for all the generations. And then only certain courts, like his court, or later Ravami and Ravasi, right? Certain courts have greater power to be able to take money from someone's private, officially private possessions. But just because a court is not a, doesn't have the same degree of authority, that doesn't mean that he didn't set it up for the future, right? Like, he says, that's not a good proof. Your claim that having having um, principles primarily functioning in great Torah centers must mean that he didn't mean it to be for the generations. The Gemara says, that doesn't really hold up. Let's try something else. Tashma. The Amar Shmuel. So again, it's in the name of Shmuel. Ha Prizbola. Ulbana didaina hu yasher chel avatlina. So Shmuel says that the prisbal is an ulbana, we're going to define this, of the judges. Now, what's an ulbana? So the language here seems to mean to degrade somebody or to shame them, right? Like ne'alav is to be insulted in modern Hebrew also, right? This idea is that the the claim is that if you're going to if you're going to increase the, if my strength increases, then I will cancel it, right? What does it mean that he will cancel it? It means that, so at least Rashi explains, right, that when Hill set up the prisbol and it was for only for his generation, then the assumption is that because because if he'd set it for all the generations, then the future generations would not have been able to cancel it. So therefore, the very fact that it was set up like in such a way that the future gener- generations could not have canceled it. So now the question is, and it's kind of a trick question, does that mean he set it up for all generations and they were never going to cancel it anyway? Or that it was really only for his generation because they couldn't cancel it? Fine. So, but this is Shmuel's suggestion here, right? Meaning again, how can it be that it's set up in such a way that the future generation will cancel the very institution of principle when it doesn't have the greater strength to be able to do so? So the Gemara says, no, let's explain this better. What he means is, if my strength increases, meaning if I get to be better, greater, more important, more skilled than Hillel, then I will negate, I will cancel the principle. So that's already like a very different kind of read because it's saying, it's not saying that, it's not commenting on Hillel's decision at all anymore, but saying what would the next generation do? Um, and by contrast, and with this I'm going to stop, but by contrast, on as we continue on the daf, Rav Nachman says that if he had greater strength, he would specifically intentionally uphold Prisbal because he sees that it to be of great value. And this, of course, I think is the question, right? Because on the one hand, Prisbal is this loophole and it kind of feels uncomfortable. And on the other hand, it does a great service to the functioning of society. I think it's interesting to see that not everybody was supportive of it, right? That, you know, that Shmuel's basically expressing a hesitation about it. Yeah, I think loopholes, especially when they're not already long established loopholes, make people a little edgy. Yeah, and I think it's making. Exa- I think that's a good way to say it. And he doesn't like it, you know. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, though. So-